All right, you guys, welcome back to the Low Bottom High Rise podcast with me, Moira Kasaba, your host, and you are in for a treat today. I have Miss Rachel Barbeau on the show, and I am so excited. Thank you for being here. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. I'm I'm so pumped. I we were talking about it in the pre-show meeting. Yeah. Uh that you know that we're cut from the same cloth, that there's yes. people that know us both that that uh-huh. tell us that uh we are very similar and I I've watched you, I've seen you yeah. and I know what you stand for. So I'm just so honored to be with you. Uh. I am, I am, I feel the exact same way. You know, it's, I always say, listen to the whispers, right? And the whispers can be your friends, your acquaintances saying, you guys have to connect. You need to know each other. And I'm like, absolutely, let's do it. So I used to always on the show, you know, give everybody kind of the backstory and who you are and what you do. And just recently I thought, you know, I definitely want you to give the accolades, right? The titles and all of that. But I really want to ask you, like, who is Rachel Barbeau? How would you define that societally, right? And just as a soul? Yeah. So that's such a good question. Um, and and when I say that, that that means you really got it because I spent 17 years in the media and, uh, yeah. and being, being on your side. Um, you know, first, I'm a child of God. Mm-hmm. I am unhealed, but healing. I'm searching, I'm seeking, I'm a queen. I know my value. I know my worth. I know my dark spots and places that I want to work on. There's no grass growing up underneath my feet, sister. I am, you know, there are a lot of, most days I would tell you that I I feel like there's not enough hours and days and years in this life to meet the people I want to meet and go where I want to go and eat what I want to eat and travel (laughs) and and learn the languages and just a lover of people and life. And um, I've had some extreme beautiful highs and people have seen me at the top and they've also seen me at the bottom. Um, And, you know, As I mentioned, I spent 17 years in sports media. I became the first female host on SiriusXM on their collegiate channels. I vote for the Heisman, one of the only few females in the world to do that um, of 800 people. And then there's only just a handful of females inside of 800. And then six, almost seven years ago, August 26, this month, I started a movement called I'm Changing the Narrative. And it happened to start in athletics, Mm -hmm. but now it's spread out to churches, high schools, uh, corporations, prisons, wow. um, houses, um, literally anywhere where they'll have me. And I say, if you know, it's age six to 96, if you're still breathing, there's still time. And I travel and speak on good love for yourself and others, interpersonal relationships, purpose beyond your job or athletics, joy, mm-hmm. um, and how to have true self-love. And then yeah. most recently, I just wrote a book called Relentless Joy. So I'm not busy at all. <laughs> oh, my God. You are my people. Like, you are my people. I mean, every single word you just spoke. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. yes. I'm trying to not interject because I don't want to mess up you the can audio. You can interject. I'm an interjector. You can totally interject. <laughs> but this is everything. I mean, it's everything. And I want to, I really want to dig into the story behind this, right? Yeah. What? what, what, there's always a story, right? And I, and I love, even when I was younger, I remember saying when I was 16 years old, I think I feel my highs more than most people, but I feel my lows more than most people. And then I didn't understand that I was also going to experience that, right? I was going to experience some of the most beautiful highs that very few people do, but 
often you don't get to the top of the mountain without being in the depths of hell, you Mm. know, because it builds grit, it builds perseverance, it builds character, it builds a different narrative, right? My story behind what is hard is Mm -hmm. radically different from other people because I really know heart. So where, take me all the way back. Like, how did this begin? First of all, I just think it's so badass that you're like the first female. I mean, I'm a sports fanatic. My family, I grew up in a sports fanatical family. My kids are both like involved at high levels and, and I feel really called too. It's so interesting where God takes you. I'm like, oh, oh, (laughs) a lot of what I'm doing in the world is going in this direction. I just see that in my future because I'm so passionate about it and there's such a need. Mm. Um, But where did this all begin for you? Well, first, I just want to say this, um, any, anybody that I can connect you with in my world, in the sports world, and for your kids, for you, you know, that was my world for, for 17 years. And so mm-hmm. for me, I believe I, I said it in my book and, and for me, relationships are everything. They're my currency. Therefore Absolutely. I'm a billionaire. I and, just got goosebumps, girl. I just yeah. got goosebumps. I believe it. Yeah. It, and it's, and it's, some people are, they're about success. They're about this, they're about money. They're about, you know, and I, I travel the globe and I teach people, you know, look, it's really, it's human beings, it's interactions, it's relationships. That is the good lasting step of life. You're not going to lay on your deathbed and wish you had more money. You're not right. going to lay on your deathbed and wish you had more success. You're going to wish you had more just glimmering moments and memories with your children, with your friends, with your family, with people yeah. that you love. and. You said something a moment ago that struck me, how when you were little, you felt the highs probably higher than some people in the lows too. I recently came across this post and it just struck me. And that's what happens as a speaker, something will strike me and I will put it in a file and then I will go study it and speak on it and write about it, all of those things. And, And I teach other speakers that too. And so this post said it was about having a child that cried at the sunsets, that they were so beautiful. And the mother was basically saying that instead of, you know, um, saying, no, that's not, why are you crying? She taught this child that they're, you ready for this? Their sensitivity was a superpower. Oh, (gasps) yes. And if I, it wasn't my mama, it wasn't my daddy, it was society. If I had known that earlier on in my life, my gracious, I could have harnessed this power that I have now so yes. much earlier. And, 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 and I now want to teach parents that and teach people that and teach kids that and teach 80 year olds that, yes. you know, that your sensitivity, you're not too emotional. You're not too right. this, or too weepy or too, too, whatever. No, your sensitivity is a superpower. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that is, and, and whether it's sensitivity or something else, right. Yeah. It's a gift. It's a gift. And I I think about that with my son because he can be very shy. And I'm like, but that's that's how God created him. Like, let's embrace that and celebrate that instead of what we do as society, as parents in our society. Like, you got to be more confident. You got to speak up. You got to, you got to. And it's just, it's a shaming tone and message that we have to be so careful to not give them this identity and shame of their God-given personality, you know? Let me, yeah. Let me tell you something about that. I recently spoke at a school and it did wonders for my, my, my self-confidence. This is so funny. I, I spoke at the school and the school was like, are you sure? Are you okay? There's like 800 kids there. They're all in the gym. I said, I've spoken to a lot of people before. 
And I, I think I'm from the South. So I, I say they weren't hungry. They were hungry, you know, yes. for like a message. Yeah. And I started the message just like I would tell your child. If you're an introvert, you be the most fantastic introvert yes. that you have ever seen. And you study you and yes. you, whatever it is that you love doing by yourself, solitude is a gift. Most people mm-hmm. cannot be alone. They feel like they're lonely. And that's a difference. Solitude is a gift. Yeah. And so I encouraged them and I said, and if you're an extrovert, be your wonderful, amazing yes. extra self. You would have thought more right, that I was Taylor Swift. Every time <laughs> I pause, they scream. I pause. Oh, I love it. But they needed to hear it. And yes. it's so true for your child, whoever you are, your sensitivity, yeah. your shyness, your introvertedness, your extrovertedness. You know, I spent half my life, uh, again, being told I was too much. And I right. tried to tone myself down. I even had an agent once to tell me to be less colorful, less Latina and, and be, wear more beige and kind of tone. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I mean, that's, this is the underlying message, right? It's like, whoever you are born to be, whoever you are born in this world as, when you can just be in that and be authentically who you are, it sounds so canned, but like, it really is. It, it aligns, you step into freedom, right? In your identity, you step into relationship with the right people, because when we're trying to be something we're not, we're going to parties, hanging out with people we don't want to hang out with because we're exactly. trying to be something, you know, exactly. and it's like, be who you are. And this is a silly little story, but I remember back in my twenties when everybody's trying to be something they're not, <laughs> one of my girlfriends was going out with a bunch of friends and she's like, it's my birthday. Come. And you know, I'm sober and I'm like, it's not my scene. You know, it's yeah. like not my scene. And I'm feeling like less than the shame around being a recovering alcoholic. But what I was really feeling was just me. I, Sober or not, not my scene, right? Like that's not, not fun people. for me. Not and people. I'm like feeling just this heaviness, this cloak of like, God, I should go, but I don't want to go. And it's going to be miserable and I'm going to be uncomfortable. And then I said something. I said, well, is Ashley going? Another friend of ours. And she goes, oh, God, no. God, <laughs> no, Ashley would never come to my birthday dinner out downtown with a bunch of people, you know, on the scene. Yeah. And I thought, wait, you still love Ashley. Yeah, Ashley's no different in your life. I need to stand in who I am and be more like Ashley. Yes, You know, yes. she, it doesn't mean it has to destroy friendships. You really align with your people when you step into your authenticity. You know, and, and one tiny little story back that I think, um, and I just love this flow, by the way, yeah. um, she's going to speak on it. If you see, if you see it, you say it, it's beautiful and it's lovely. Speak it. But I I teach on this story too. When I was back, I lived in Nashville before I I lived in Florida. Now I got married and have four bonus kids. But I lived in Nashville. And I remember I went to a series of meetings. And this first meeting I went to, this was at the beginning of I'm Changing the Narrative. I sat down a newspaper where there had been a a number of football players that were accused of sexual assault and found guilty at at Vanderbilt. And I said, and I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do this if I'm changing the narrative. And I remember the man, his eyes kind of got wide. And he was like, you probably need to focus on one thing and then do the other. And I said, no, 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 no. This is what I'm going to do. And so fast forward a couple of weeks and another woman asked to meet with me. And I, again, told her about all the plans and everything with I'm changing the narrative. Same response. And it was eyes wide. You know, like there is a lot to this girl. She's trying to do a lot. And I don't blame either one of those right. people. 
here is the lesson. It was a lesson in your story. Those just weren't my people. Right. They did not have the capacity to get my large vision and personality. And not everybody is either ready at a place in their life or healed enough or in a state of healing to be able to get your vision or they just simply be your people. Yeah. And I love that. I love the messages you teach. I teach the same message. Look for your people. And you know, to those kids, I told them, stop trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. If it doesn't fit, stop trying to force it and be you. Be you, be you. I saw Eddie Panero posted something today that said, you know, no one's going to call you and tell you how great your idea is. You need to see the finish line before it's actually there. Yes. And then I'm going to share this one quick experience. And then I want you to run with the story because I really, I'm so anxious to hear, but I can remember (laughs) being at an event surrounded by my people. I had been speaking at the event. I was just on fire. You know, I've tons of people coming up to me, talking to me, just, uh, you know, you crying to me about how my message impacted them, came home, went to a party Mm -hmm. and like, I'm just in the zone. Right. So I'm still like bubbling over with stuff. And I look around the circle and like, everyone's glazed over and they're like, what, what the hell are you talking about? You know, like they were so unimpressed and it's not about being impressive to people, but I was like, oh, that's not my people. You know, yep. like they're not even on the same wavelength yep. getting anything about what I'm saying. But like, those are such God-given gifts, you know, those little moments where you're like, oh, I need to pivot a little bit here, or yeah. I need to not spend more time here. I need to spend less time in these circles. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Oh, oh, so good. Okay. So go back to the story. Yeah. Which one? (laughs) (laughs) Well, so you're 17 years. You said 17 years in sports casting, right? Yeah. 17 years. And how long ago did that wrap up? Yeah. So it wrapped up a few years ago. Um, So I was still sports casting a couple of years back. Take you back to 2016. I saw a problem in college athletics and um, it was a really dark summer for for sports fans. If you are not a sports fan, here's what happened. Basically, it was we were on the heels of a nasty sexual scandal at Penn State. We were in the thick of a, a scandal at Baylor. There was domestic summer 2016. There was domestic violence, sexual violence, guys getting in trouble, coaches getting in trouble all over the country. Yes. And I was had newly moved to Nashville. I was downtown broadcasting in the Batman building, you know, on top of the world. And I remember just thinking, like during the breaks, Moira, I would cry. I would like, I was mm. like, what is going on with the sport that I've given my life to? Yeah. What like all the news was negative because as a female in the industry, I would prep for a show two hours early. You know, I, yeah. I had to have, I, you had to be twice as, you know, prepared to be respected half as much. Yes. And, and so I'd prep and it was all negative news. And yeah. I believed God made me a do something girl. And I was like, what if I went in and I talked to them about taking the headlines back for something good? I also, yes. and this is a huge thing on what I teach. I, learned myself, use your pain for purpose because many, many moons ago, many, many moons ago, I had been drug across the house by my hair, by somebody who claimed to love me. And all of this domestic violence and college football brought up that memory that I thought I was done with, that I thought I was healed from. And I said, what if I go in and teach football players and and, and bring them into that night, tell the story and bring them into that night and say, if you were there, because there were other males in the house that night, no one came to help me. It was pathetic. It was disgusting. And I said to these players, if you were there that night, would you have helped me? 
Moira, they scream, they cry, they jump up, they cheer, they hug me afterwards. They say, wow. I've been there. I protected my mama. I will never let a woman, I will, you know, I'll yeah. never let this happen to a woman. And so that's how it started. Purpose, passion, wow. platform, my own experience, domestic violence. And then somewhere along, I thought I'd always be a sportscaster. I thought yeah. I'd just be doing these talks on the side. Well, then it got so big and and huge and I was sports casting still, but I was, I mean, I was, I woke up with too much to do and went to sleep with too much to do and I couldn't catch my breath. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I had found as much as I always thought that sports casting was my gift and my calling. I knew you mentioned it, that feeling after you speak, Mm -hmm. that connection, that, that feeling that you couldn't put a price on that, you know, you've affected another soul. And I was having that more and more. And I was having these relationships and building relationships with players. And here I look up three or four years later, I look up and I've been to 60 plus colleges. I it's spread out to customs and border patrol and law enforcement. And as I mentioned, halfway houses and churches and schools. And so uh, in 2019, to put a bow on it, 2019, I lost my mom to uh, to breast cancer. And then I had two months later, what I call a dark night of the soul, where I almost took my own life. And, um, and wow. I apologize for not giving a trigger warning to your, to your audience. No, but, that's okay. um, and, and after that, I, I wrestled with the devil um, on, on whether or not to talk about it. And God said to me, my girl, my girl, you are mm. a warrior. I saved you mm. for a purpose. Go tell it far and wide. Mm. And Moira, it blew the movement that was already crazy, good and popular out of the water because I began to talk about mental health before even the pandemic yeah. we even knew what the pandemic was. Wow. And so I retired that fall and, uh, and I've never looked back and it's, wow. it's been spectacular. Yeah. And you are literally the hands and feet on this earth. Like, whew, goodness gracious. <laughs> um, I mean, there's so much there. There's so much to just say, like, you know, you, you were in the right place. God had led you to that position yeah. and that platform. And like you said, to find that next purpose Yeah, and you were bold enough and courageous enough to keep taking the steps through all the doors that were opening. But that doesn't mean there weren't dark nights of the soul. And I call it the same thing, sister. It's like, it is the darkest night of the soul. And, you know, hopefully there won't be another one that's quite that dark, but there's, there's different levels of those nights and we all go through them. And it's not always this pathway to, you know, success and impact and all of that. But the biggest thing that I can impart is always it's there. Like that voice, that calling, where you're supposed to go. I think we get so caught up in our heads and in other people's opinions and what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to do it. And, you know, what's the right this and what's the right that and what's the right way to post and what's it. And it's like, if you just turn inward, like the answer is in you. Yes. And so often it is our pain turned into purpose. Man. And, and people ask me all the time, how, how do I find my calling? And, and I, I tell them, let's go back and let's identify, you know, what you've been through that was meant to kill you, but it didn't. Right. Um, and then people say to me, well, I didn't have anything traumatic. I had a good upbringing. Well, first of all, if you had a good upbringing and saw good love, it is your moral responsibility to go teach good love to other people because so many of us did not see great versions of love growing up. Right. And until counter somebody shows us different, we yes. will 
continue to repeat generational patterns over and over and over and over. And so I, I, I say to people, okay, get a notebook and put it next to your, you know, your notes app or your phone when you're watching TV. Maybe you're you're scanning the news, you're reading something that bothers you. Maybe it's child trafficking, maybe right. it is abuse, maybe it is the homeless, maybe it is old people. And and I, I found this other day, it was so amazing. This company, this nonprofit in Texas that'll pay for a senior to have a dog. They pay for the food, oh. they pay for I Everything. love that. I love so, that. So seniors aren't lonely yes. and they can have a dog. And I'm like, if I can get more people thinking yes. along those lines. And here's the other thing I talk about in the book is that so many of us serve and I want you to serve, but mm-hmm. I want you to find serving in your sweet spot. Yes. When you find your sweet spot, you won't burn out. I right. still have the same zest and the same desire and excitement seven years later, going to speak Mm -hmm. at TCU football later this week, the same excitement that I had seven years ago, when the excitement stops, I'll know it's time to identify and see if there's something different I need to be doing. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that you linked that up with like the pain piece, you know, go where your pain is. Yeah. So, you know, this is a heavy subject to like delve into, but I feel like I'm always like, you know, we got to have these conversations. We yeah. we have to have the difficult conversations. So I'm so curious because I've got a 15-year-old boy and a 13-year-old girl. And, you know, they're they're right on the precipice of kind of this whole new world for them in, you know, high school and college. Mm-hmm. And I've just started literally this past week having conversations with my son about, you know, just the the way of the world, unfortunately, like, you know, the conversation where you could do nothing and be accused, but also obviously the conversation of like respect and all of this. And it's, it's funny. You said you went in and talked to those players. I, we were on a baseball trip last week and I got in, I was pumping gas and I got in the car and I just looked at my son and I said, never, ever, ever hit on a girl at a gas station. It is so scary. And he was like, Wow, what happened? And I'm like, but that's what we live with as women. You know, I'm at a gas station in the middle of nowhere. Don't hit on me or talk to me. And and I said, you have to understand. And as a 15 year old, I, I said, listen, even if you're just, you know, kind of not that I don't think my son would ever do this, but like the cat call where a a teenage boy might think it's innocent. I was like, you have no idea the fear that you instantly instill in a woman as a boy, as a man, you have to like, you have to just know this, you know, and you have to know, like you're talking about if something's going down and, you know, my son being the, you know, quieter boy, I'm like, you're going to want to run away. You can't. I'm like, you're, you can't, you have to lean into that in these, these really uncomfortable, hard situations. So I'm so curious what the conversation is that you're having and how you're kind of teaching and educating these, these high, these college boys. Yeah. College boys, high school boys. So I started with boys with, I call them Kings. I believe inside Mm -hmm. of each side of each, each one of us is a King and a King is not perfect. It means you know better. So you do better. It means you serve, you lead, you give. It means you think of others first. A king, if he screws up, says it and and yeah. owns it. And he apologizes to people and makes it right. He does an inventory check of his soul at, before he goes to sleep so that he can sleep well at night. If he needs to fix something, he fixes it. Same with a queen. So yeah. when I first started speaking to kings, after a while, I was like, oh, gosh, I need to speak to queens, too, yeah. because they're part of the equation. We're part of the equation. Right. But, you know, oh, my gracious, the conversation you're having with your son 
um, I, I call what I do more soul training. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's so deep. It's, it's about your soul. Um, you're going to yeah. get training in every other place, but I do soul training. And mm-hmm. what, what I talk about is what did you see growing up? You know, again, back to that good love. If you saw good love and you got a friend over here and he's not treating his lady right. And he's talking to her like crap. And, you know, you've got to be the one and, and they may not like it in the moment. They may not, they may not think it's cool in the moment. They may ridicule you, but I'm telling you, I promise you, you're planting a seed. I had a, yes. a king of mine from Texas A&M. He said, I went home and all of these, these guys were, were talking crap about this girl and they were talking negative and calling her names. And he said, Hey man, you know, I don't, I don't want to talk about women like that. And I don't allow people in my presence to mm. talk about women like that. And they kind of, you know, kind of ribbed him a little bit. And later on that guy texted him and he said, he, he said, and then the, and the guy that I taught said, this lady taught me this, you know, I, I recently learned. And so the guy came back to him later on and he said, Hey man, I never thought about it like that. Nobody's wow. ever told me I shouldn't call women name. Yeah. yeah. And so if we, we got to teach better ways. And so yes. it's crazy, but I'm teaching young men how to date and how right. to how to have respect and how to have chivalry. Maybe they didn't see it. Maybe they came from a culture where it was okay to have. I I know men, young men that, that are in my life, their uncles and their dads encourage them to have multiple girlfriends. And and I'm like, no, let me tell you about the beauty Mm -hmm. of being with one woman, one person. And, and I, I teach them, Hey, if you're, you know, the difference of, are you ready? Are you not? Like I go right. into some programs that just went to Missouri earlier this year and we did a full on hour and a half on dating on women wow. on, and they were, and they were like this. I started yeah. and they were like, oh. you know, Miss Rachel, Miss Rachel, Miss Rachel. And so they're, they're hungry again yes. to learn how to relate. They come up to me um, and say, how, how do I let her know I love her, you know, or she's struggling yeah. here or what's going on here. And, and I literally will get, I can't tell you the thousands of texts over the years I've gotten, oh Rachel, God. what do I do here? What do I, how do I handle this? And wow, it's, it's really, it's, it's, I said recently, and I, I I'm still blown away that I, that I was on the 700 club, but I said recently in the 700 club, they asked me, you know, what does it feel like? And I said, only recently have I, have I been able to really quantify what I do. And I would suspect that this is the way you feel about what you do. For me, it feels the closest thing to heaven, this side of, you know, this uh, earth side that I'll ever experience. Like the closest mm-hmm. thing to what I imagine heaven feels like. When you see a soul turn on, yes. when you see somebody get it, yeah. when you see somebody forgive their mama, or get into counseling or not take their life or yeah. any of those things. And I know you experience the same things as me. It is like, it, it's the soul lottery. It is, yeah. it is what I imagine heaven is like where my uh, people are waiting. And that's the way I describe what I do. Yeah. I love that. And I know everybody's had moments of that, yeah. right? So yeah. it could be completely unrelated to your profession. Yeah. But you kind of also just connected the dots to like, how do I find my purpose? How do I find my thing? And it's like, where are those moments, right? Where are those magical moments? And and it's funny, I can remember in very early sobriety, so over 20 years ago, one of my really dear friends in recovery relapsed on heroin. Mm. And I will never forget showing up scared out of my mind, but like going in instead of retreating, right? Showing up at his house, sitting at the kitchen table, just trying to help. Yeah. And I didn't want to be there. You know, I don't know how to handle that situation. I don't have any expertise, 
but I will never forget the feeling when I left. Mm -hmm. I just remember feeling like there is no greater calling on my life than that moment. There is no place God needed me more than right there in that moment. And, Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying everything changed because I was there, but just that purpose that, you know, you are exactly where God needs you and wants you. And it's funny because I haven't thought about that in a million years, but that's kind of so much of the work that I'm now doing in the world that took me a long time to find my way back to, but it is, there's no greater feeling. Oh, and you are doing darn good work in the world. I mean, it's, it's amazing. And I think the other thing is to encourage, you know, the audience to have more of those conversations because even when you know, like the simple thing, like don't talk to girls at a gas station. And my son's like, huh, what? Like, why wouldn't I talk to a girl at a gas station? And I'm like, but, you know, like they don't understand. And yeah. it's like, we assume so much of our children, even if we do have a solid home yeah. and we have to be having all the conversations, all of the conversations. Mm. Yeah. And, and you're, Absolutely right. There's, uh, you know, I have conversations with with players and and athletes and non-athletes, just like you're having with your son. And there are broken women that are not walking in their queenship and their queendom who are um, who are unhealed and who are broken and will make mm-hmm. false accusations. There are also right. women that that obviously sexual assault is is very hard to prove and it happens every single day. And it's why we need other kings to to stand up. And, and if you see something going down, you know, um, stand up, do the right thing, save somebody, you know, uh, step in, um, don't let it happen. I, I remember being after a football game, being in an establishment in Tuscaloosa, this was a couple of years back and I was trying to get a ride myself. And, uh, and I saw this older gentleman try to take this inebriated woman out of this establishment. And I was like, uh, uh-uh, no, yeah. like, absolutely not get out of here, go home. You're not. And then we got her a ride. Yeah. Whether you're a king or a queen, you know, whoever, however you identify, I say king, queen, royal to be inclusive, but we we're at a place in the world where we absolutely have to stand up. Moira, I do a lot of work at the border with border patrol Mm. agents and the things that they're seeing coming across and the Oh, it's horrific. It's horrific. It's, it's horrific. And what they're going through um, and, and the numbers and the the stress that they're under. So yeah, we're at a, we're a place in time where if you're listening to this podcast, say this is your calling. Like you yes. can make a difference. That's Big, just small, it. Job, passion project, however, whatever it is you do, you can make a difference in this world. You absolutely can. And the joy that comes from that yeah. is priceless. You know, um, I was just, I watched The Sound of Freedom. Have you seen it yet? I have not, but everybody's like, you got to get there. You got to get him, uh, Tim Ballard. And he, amazing. And you obviously, you, you also know the reality of what's going on without having seen the movie, which is not the case for most people. And I was talking to a a dear friend of mine who hadn't seen it the other day. And she was like, well, what, what is like, what can people do? Like, what is the call to action kind of? And I said, the interesting thing, the call to action at the end is, to just go see the movie and get as many people as you can to see the movie. And, you know, I went on and like bought tickets where people can grab tickets for free and that kind of a thing. But it really is if we equip our nation and the world with better perception, better eyesight, uh, eyesight, a responsibility to 
I mean, think about it. There's millions of people in the United States. If everyone was a little bit more bold in, oh, that doesn't look right. That doesn't feel right. Right. Because we feel it on an energetic level. Mm -hmm. And I actually had this experience the other night and I'm, I'm kicking myself and this is hard to admit on air, but I, we sat down at a bar cause it was the only place we, there were no tables and my husband was parking the car. And when he walked in, I was like, oh my gosh, the guy behind me is so wasted. Like he was so loud and obnoxious. Mm-hmm. And then they got up five minutes later and the younger one said, are you okay to drive? And it was like, I was in that moment where I was like, what do I do? Like, and I look back on that moment and there were probably 20 other people around me thinking and feeling the exact same anxiety, but too, too passive, too scared to, to say anything because also you don't know if, you know, it's going to erupt or what's going to happen, but we have to take that action. We We have to to take that action. And, And recently, um, there was a case and, um, and it ended up as a hoax, which which really was even worse. But there was the case of Carly Russell in Birmingham. I used to live in Birmingham, Alabama girl. And um, and she supposedly saw a toddler on the side of the road and was kidnapped. And um, and so what immediately people started to say in those three days before she turned up and again, praying for her, because obviously some sort of mental illness or sickness to perpetuate that kind of hoax. But what right. ended up happening, Moira, was people were like, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to help people. I'm not right. going to put money. I'm not going to, you know, look what can happen if you do this. And that's the exact opposite, opposite. of what we need in the world. If we Absolutely. all just stay in our own lanes, it is going to get progressively worse. Yeah. We need we need people to rise up and, yes. and do the right thing, believe, speak, proclaim all of the things um, without getting too preachy, but you know, we yeah. need people yeah. to stand up and be who they were created to be. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And again, it's like the whisper, right? It's there. It's there long time ago. And, and this, I, I look back on this story and I swear I'm going to have a conversation with Oprah one day. Cause I'm like, this, <laughs> this story was something I never forgot. And it planted a seed for really the way I live in the world, but what I teach in the world. And she talked about a woman going into her building in like a city And there was, you know, a worker guy there, somebody working on something and she gets in the, like she immediately walks in and energy, right? Cause there's that intuition we have like, yep, yep. this isn't, this isn't okay. And, but she doesn't want to say anything because she doesn't want to offend, right? This is what women go through. I don't want to offend anyone. I don't want to, you know, look like I'm better than or whatever. So she doesn't say anything. She -hmm. gets in the elevator he gets in the elevator, that intuition gets bigger. And she's like, this is not good. You know? So she's like, do I press the button? Do I get off? Do I hit the alarm? But like, oh my gosh, let's not be dramatic. Yeah. 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 Right. These are the stories, but it's there. And he ends up, you know, beating, raping the whole nine yards. And it's like, this woman had the story of like, I knew the second I walked in and I Mm. didn't do anything about it Mm. and Mm. multiple opportunities to do something. And you know, we don't want to call attention. We don't want to be dramatic. We don't want to be a little too much like you were saying. Yeah. And I just want to encourage everybody to listen to that. Listen to that immediately because, oh, it's so important. So important. So let's go back to you. What are you, (laughs) so are you just speaking everywhere now? I want to hear more about the book too. It's available for purchase, right? 
Yep. And I, yeah. I always have a little copy sitting next to me. Um, it's a, like a pretty blue cover, mm. you know, so smiling gorgeous. on it. Thank you. My middle name is Joy. And people ask oh, me. Oh my gosh. I love that. <laughs> They're like, is that a stage name? I'm like, no, that's my real name. My uncle named me that at birth. And, uh, and I was, I was a surprise baby. I, I'm not ashamed of this fact anymore. I talk about it in the book and, and, and the book, I'll say this really quickly is I tell people like, there's a lot of books on joy that are pretty and tidy. Mine is messy and hard and beautiful and deep and ugly at times. And there's still joy in that. I talk about my own addiction. I was addicted to hard drugs for nine years in my twenties, Moira. And only by the grace of God, am I alive and here to talk about it? And people ask me a lot. They're like, Hey, you know, um, uh, you know, the whole thing with, with the addiction and all of those things and, and how much I love the Lord and how much I love God. And I said, if you've been where I've been and he saved your life and you would love him the way that I love him because he's the only reason I'm alive. But, but yeah, so I was, I was born, my uncle named me that I was a surprise child when I was younger. Um, the enemy, the devil, whatever you want, your listeners want to call him, but for me, it's the devil. He imprinted words on me, Moira, like, bastard and unlovable. And I never Mm. told anybody about those words that were imprinted on my little soul. And what happened was they blew open chunks so wide in my soul. It was like the size of Texas. And I began to try to fill those holes with things and substances and people, and it was never going to fill it. And that's what led to my addiction. And now I say, you know, my mom, before she went to heaven said, you know, you were the reason I got saved, you know, like you saved my Mm. life. And and um, so, no, I wasn't planned, but I was planned by God. And um, yes. so, yeah, yes. so traveling and speaking all over, um, getting ready to, and I've done this before, but getting ready to make it official, official, train other speakers. One of the greatest joys for me is teaching other people how to be speakers, how to create things. Yeah. I've been dubbed a movement coach. I, I help people create oh. what's inside of them and bring yes. it out of them. And I also teach uh, and coach people on joy, how to have more joy in their oh life. Gosh. Um, and so it's just such, and I'm getting ready. Uh, you probably have felt this, like you put something out there and you're like, I want to do it again. I was crazy, yeah. but I want to do it again. I'm getting ready to write <laughs> book number two. Um, oh. There's already, it's percolating yes. already. Yes, yes, it is. And it's, it, <laughs> the world needs it, sister. The world needs it. Oh my gosh. I am so grateful for this conversation and grateful to know you and this connection. I mean, going back to what you said in the beginning, right? Relationships and, and it's just, it's, you will meet those people along the path when you have, when you take those steps, right? Like that's the thing. It's like, we're, we're kind of in this cage and we're not living in our purpose and we're scared to take the step and we're scared to do this. And we're scared to take the risk, right? Because there's often so much risk. And there are moments along my path where I have risked, like, I look back and I'm like, only God, like only God, because I can't believe I did that, you know, but you get to these points and And what is on the other side of that fear and what is on the other side of that risk is every single thing that you are just yearning for and searching for the relationships, the, you know, the financial freedom, even though you and I both agree, like, that's not what it's about. You know, that just comes with pursuing your calling. Yes. Oh 
goodness gracious. This is so, so good. So let me ask you that. Somebody asked me this on a podcast interview not that long ago. And I was like, what a great question to end with. He asked me, he said, how would you define success? Mm. I think you've kind of covered it, but yeah. Yeah. Success. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Success is to me is, is, uh, is briefly is a number of things. It's being able to lay my head on the pillow at night and, and know that I'm right with people. I've made Mm -hmm. things right. Doesn't mean everything's perfect. It means I'm not beefing with anybody. I've said what I needed to say. I've honored myself. I've honored God. Um, I've apologized when I was wrong. I stepped into Moira being a bonus parent of four children. Um, and I've been in their lives for six years, but right now we've been married a year and a half. They're 12, 14, 16, and 18. I had a dog before. Okay. Wow. So I fail. Every parent fails. Every human fails. I fail a lot. And, and, you know, just by nature, I took care of myself for a long time. And so there's a lot of apology there. Hey, I didn't handle that right. Or, Hey, I just want to tell you, I love you. And, so for me, it's laying my head on the pillow at night, knowing I honored God, I honored my family and myself. And mm. it's living, it's it's looking at each day. I, I felt I found this recently, and I'm gonna be teaching on it soon. And um, and it's this idea of looking at each day almost as if my friend uh, Svetlana says it's almost as if like you're like an alien and everything's new. The trees uh, are new. Yeah. The 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 you know, the breath, I mean, everything's new, like everything, wow. butterflies are new. You look at at things that you've seen before a thousand times, a million times, and you're like, gosh, that is beautiful. Wow, that refrigerator is amazing. Wow, yeah. those shoes are really clean. Wow, that's running water. You know, yes. like it 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 just enhances a sense of gratitude. Absolutely. I do that. And then I look at the day and I go, this day will never come again. I'll never be who I am again. I'll never, you know, have my first podcast with you. I'll never, you know, get to meet you for the first, you know, like yeah. And so when you do that, and when I feel a, a rumbling in my spirit, when I feel ungrateful, when I feel anxious, when I feel, um, and I, I've learned to not look at my emotions as ne- necessarily negative. They're an emotion. If I can sit with it, then I can figure out underneath it what's causing the anger or the right. anxiety, and I can get curious about it. And if I don't act on it right away, that is so mm-hmm. powerful, such a powerful learning tool. I can go, okay, why did I feel that way? Is that mm-hmm. my own junk? Or did somebody really mean it that way? And that's their own junk. So curiosity, gratefulness, and then clearing and wiping the slate at the end of the day to make God, my family, and myself proud. Mm, So good. So good. (laughs) So good. Oh my gosh. I love the alien thing. I love it. I love it. I mean, it really is when I always say the, the main reason I like to travel is my appreciation for home. You know, even two nights yes. ago, I went, I just flew up to Baltimore and back in like 48 hours. I was gone for one night. Yeah. And Sunday night, I was like, why are like this? These are the softest sheets. Like I just was like bubbling over with, with the heaven that was my bed. joy with joy. Yes. Gone for a night. You would have think, thought I was on a mission trip for a month. Like but it does, it gives you that perspective and to like milk that when you're in it. Right. It's so good. So good. Oh my gosh. Well, (laughs) Rachel, I cannot tell you first of all, how much I love you, adore you. I hope we stay super connected. Yes. Yes. And I'm so grateful for your story and your time today, but I am so much more grateful for you just being a warrior out there. Like you are doing the work that the world needs. And I, I am so incredibly grateful for that. 
honestly. Oh. Thank you. And thank you for having us. You know, I always say to people when I speak to them or when somebody you feel so strongly, like right now that somebody gets you, I always say, thank you for having the heart to get it. You know, not everybody, I'm not everybody's cup of tea. Nobody is everybody's cup of tea, but I'm certainly not. You know, some people are naturally, oh, is she really like that? What's and and the people closest to me are like, no, that's who she really is. Yeah. You know, she's just this is who she is. And so I always just thank people genuinely when their soul, when you when you like attracts like I teach yes. on me. So when you see a like-minded person, you're like, and I teach, and you can tell your son this, and you can tell your kids this, you may be attracted to somebody that is, you know, not a queen or a queen, right? Or maybe you're attracted to this woman who's such a great woman and you're over here and you're you're doing your own thing, you're cheating and you're, you know, but you mm. a like attracts like and yeah. eventually, right? Like eventually that there's going to be a, a severing of those things. And I yeah. say that to say that you got to if you want a good person, we're going to a whole other subject. I know we're we're <laughs> I love it. We can go. You, we can go. You yeah. can be a good person. If yes. you good person. Would you want to date you? Would right. you want to be your friend? Are you a good right. friend? And yeah. so when you do meet the people that you vibe with instantly, you're like, yeah, okay. That's a real one. That's that, a real, one. that's so my people. You. That's my yeah. people. Absolutely. You are so my people. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, we are going to wrap there. I'm going to put everything in the show notes where people can find you the link to your book, all of that. So I just want to encourage everybody to go there, like connect. You said so many things. I know I have so many people in this audience that want to be a speaker, want yes. to figure out their brand, want to figure out how to get their message into the world, yeah. all of those things. And I mean, you're the girl. So yeah. make sure you go find all of that information, you guys. Rachel, thank you again. And thanks, everybody. Make sure you share this episode. If you loved it, share it on social, tag us, share yes. it with a friend, all of the above. And thanks for tuning in and we we will see you next week. Thanks guys. I guess. That's a wrap on today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us guys. Thanks for listening. I want to remind you to subscribe, rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. That would be super, super helpful to us. And share in your social media. Tag me. I love hearing what you guys have to say, your takeaways, all the things. So make sure you're tagging me in your social media posts when you share the episodes and we will see you next week. 